If I were to ask you, what are some of the darkest moments of your life? What would come to mind? The darkest moments of your life. For me, I remember many, many years ago when we found out that my mom had breast cancer. And that was really a dark time, although she had surgery and got through it and, and lived many, many years after that. Another dark time was when my mom and my dad got divorced. I mean, I was about 40 years old, but still, it was kind of a dark time to think about your parents splitting up, going separate ways. Getting a call telling me that my dad had had a heart attack and probably wouldn't survive. And he made it for a couple of weeks, but he did pass away shortly after that. And of course, you all know my mom just passing away just a couple weeks ago. These are the kinds of things that put us in a, and it could put us in a dark place. And there's many other kinds of things that can cause that to happen as well. I don't know if you ever can imagine what it would be like to be a shepherd, but imagine it for a moment. You wake up and you have all these sheep that depend on you. You're responsible to make sure that they get food. You're responsible to make sure that they, they go to the right place, that they, they are doing what they need to do, which mostly just eat, right? But uh, you're, you're trying to guide them in the right direction and try to make them go uh, in the right direction. You lead your flock out of the gate into the fields. But imagine that today is a little different than your normal days because you're not going to be going home. You will not be bringing the flock back to that pasture where you normally are. This is the day you head for the high country to the mountains. See, every so often during the year, there comes a time where the, the grass is no longer going to be green. They no longer can eat in that field and they have to take them up to the high mountains to where they can get them more food. The fields just dry up and cannot provide food any longer. So you go up to the mountains and you are going to be gone for weeks. Sometimes you're gone for months. Because to come back early would mean that you would face the same barren fields that you left. You must seek out these new fields and stay away until you know that the fields where you're supposed to be will have grass again for you to bring the sheep back. You know that the summer months will be warm enough to sustain you and your sheep without a great amount of shelter. And so you head up to the high mountains. Along the way, you are a little concerned because you know that there's parts of the path that are dangerous. There's poisonous plants that the sheep could eat. There's wild animals. There's... Um, narrow trails and dark valleys along the way. So as a shepherd, you have to be aware of what's going on, what your sheep are doing. I kind of had a situation like this. I, I used to be a youth director, and I would take my youth to like Magic Mountain every year. And that's kind of the same thing as being a shepherd. I mean, they just scatter, and you try to get them back. And then, you know, you're like, everybody, okay, 11 o'clock, you know, you're going to be back here, and... Uh, and then you hope that they come back, right? And then they don't. And you start calling people. And where are you? I'm online to go on a ride. No, we have to leave. And like, it's like very stressful. And you get very anxious making sure, you know, I have 30 kids and I need to make sure I return with 30 kids, right? And so that's kind of what a shepherd's being like. You're concerned about all these things that your sheep are doing. 
But the good shepherd knows he must take this journey if he is going to keep his sheep healthy and alive. So he goes to the high mountains. And because it's the same time every year, each year gets a little easier because you start to know the terrain, you start to know what plants are poisonous, and you're a little bit more prepared. You have your staff in hand to protect your flock. You have your rod attached to your belt. You begin the journey leading the flock to the mountains. David writes Psalm 23 as one who was a shepherd and knows the challenges of being a shepherd and knows what it means to oversee sheep. David knows about this yearly pilgrimage because he himself walked it time and time again. And so we hear David say to us in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. He is likening God to a shepherd because he knows what it's like to care for sheep and he knows what it's like for God to care for us. David is trying to get us, give us a down-to-earth illustration. What a shepherd does for his sheep, God will do for us. God will lead us to the high country to bring us to greener pastures. When we're in a place where the pasture is bare, God will lead us up to the high places. God will lead us through their gate, out of the, flat, out of the flatlands, and up to the path to the mountain. As one shepherd reflected on Psalm 23, he wrote, Every mountain has its valleys. Its sides are scarred with deep ravines and gulches and draws. And the best route to the top is always through these valleys. Any sheepman familiar with the high country knows this. He leads his flock gently, but persistently up the paths that wind through the dark valleys. Someday our shepherd will do the same with us. God will take us to the holy mountain by way of the valley. God will come to guide us to his house, to the valley of the shadow of death. We all know that this psalm is one of the most popular psalms. I mean, it's read all the time at funerals. I've done many funerals, and it's by far the top passage that is picked by people to be read. You see it on headstones and cemeteries. Even people who don't know the Bible hear this psalm and it has some familiarity to them. And especially verse 4, as it is a beloved verse. Why? Because it talks of God being with us in the down, dark times of life. It talks of us not being alone because God is with us. It talks about God protecting us in our lives. These themes resonate with us and they draw us closer to God because we know what, it be, what it's like to be in dark and down times. Our world, our life has these time and time again. But even more, it helps us who are alive think about our own fear of the grave. First, we know that we will all have to face the grave, Right? Because we all have loved ones who have passed on before us, we are reminded of our own mortality. And if we are not, we have the reminder in the Bible in Hebrews 9.27, which says, just as a man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. It doesn't say nearly everyone dies, or everyone but me must die. In God's plan, everyone will die even those who take the best care of themselves. This might throw a little damper on your day. You probably didn't come here tonight thinking, oh, I want to think about my death. 
But sometimes we need to. We need to be prepared for our own death, no matter what age we are. How can we expect our loved ones around us to be prepared if we ourselves are not? It's funny, after uh, what happened with my mom and we were trying to figure out some things, she immediately called her parents and she said, we need to talk and we need, we need to meet and we need to talk. We need to be, make sure that you guys are prepared when you die. <laughs> you know, it might have been a kind of a weird thing for her to say to her parents, we need to be prepared when you die. You know, like hopefully they're not going to die for a while, but still she realized, you know what? Are we prepared? Are our loved ones prepared for us to die? It doesn't matter what age you are. We need to be prepared and we need to make sure that our loved ones are prepared as well. Maybe by preparing ourselves, we will help others around us be prepared as well. And the only real way to prepare is through Christ. The only way to prepare is to know that we have Christ as our Savior and our Lord, to give us that comfort, to give us that promise of hope. Now, the reason I turn to the topic to ourselves is because up to this point, the Lord has been the topic, right? David, in the first three verses, is talking about the Lord. The Lord is... My shepherd, the Lord is, the Lord is. The first three verses are about the Lord. Who is the Lord? And then the tables turn as we get to verse 4. David is speaking to us, and God is listening. Verse 4, David is speaking to God, and we are listening. In essence, it is a prayer spoken to God from David, and we get to overhear that prayer that David is making to the Lord. He says, you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's reflecting on this wonderful truth. Many years later, Jesus, likened himself to the shepherd, said these words in John chapter 14 that Grace read. There are many rooms in my father's house, he says. I would not tell you this if it were not true. Preparing us for death, right? I'm going to go to heaven. There are many rooms in my house. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm preparing for you. Are you preparing for you? After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Isn't that a great promise? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back and I'm going to get you and you will be with me. Wow, that's wonderful. That is so wonderful. Promises that Jesus will take us with him, and we will be with him for all eternity. He doesn't delegate the task to someone else, some angel. Angel, you go get him. He himself is going to do it. How wonderful. He's a personal shepherd, responsible to lead us home. Because of this, David tells us, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. That is a powerful statement. How often do we fear something that we have to face? Fear is something that might happen, right? A lot of our fears are what might happen, right? But we don't have to fear. I will fear no evil. So when we have to go to that deep valley, God is with us. God does not abandon us in the dark times of life, but rather walks with us in the midst of our dark times. God does not give us a journey. He himself will not walk with us. Just as God told Jacob in Genesis 28, 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. He also made similar promises to Moses in Exodus 33 and to Joshua in Joshua 1 and Isaiah in Isaiah 43. The good shepherd who made the promises to these wonderful people makes the same promise to you and me. 
I am with you. And in this we have great hope and comfort. I know that many of you have lost loved ones. Sometimes when things are hard, we make a joke of it, right? So we laugh a little in the midst of tears. We want to have some laughter. When I was at my church in Long Beach, we had one year that we referred to as Funeral of the Month because we were doing almost two funerals every month. That was hard on our church as loved one after loved one passed away. It was a hard year to watch all these loved ones die. When we hear the words, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we understand them because in life we feel like we go through valleys of darkness, valleys of sorrow, valleys of despair. This sorrow, this despair is not easy. Part of the challenge is that when you lose a loved one, you feel comforted at first, right? But then a couple of weeks go by, and then a month goes by, and a couple of months goes by, and it seems like your grief should be gone, right? And it's not. It's not. Grief doesn't just go away. We feel like we should be over it, right? But as long as we have lost that loved one, there's going to be a sense of grief. See, people don't understand grief very well. Many believe that you cry a few tears, you feel down in the dumps for a time, and then it all goes away. But those who think this way don't understand love. If you love someone, you don't just walk away and forget them. The place they hold in your heart doesn't vanish. Grief lingers. The truth is, when we bury someone we love, we bury more than just them. We bury part of ourselves. John Donne once said, any man's death diminishes me because they had a place in my life. And so that place where they had a part of my life is gone. God has made us connectional beings. And as such, when one person dies, it affects the chain of connections. Of course, the closer the relationship, the more profound the exit. When someone dies, it affects us deeply. I know for me, and having lost my dad and my mom, it's challenging. My dad, 15 years ago, I don't think about his death every day. There'll be times when I do think about his death, and there's a sense of, of sadness and loss. Thinking about how he missed so much of my children growing up, missed me watching me manage my son's baseball teams, just like he managed my baseball teams. In fact, one of the, the most fun things is when I asked my brother to help me manage one year, and we did it together. We coached together, and he had such a great time because he remembered when my dad was a part of our lives that way, and we got to do that together. And we remembered my dad when we did it. After my dad passed, when it came time to go to my father's house to claim anything we wanted, my son especially wanted this, this bed frame. My dad had... Um, redone the bed frame. He had fixed it up, varnished it, made it look really nice. And even to this day, my son is 22 years old and he still has that bed frame because it reminds him of his grandfather, a connection with his grandfather. With my mother's death, it's still fresh. We don't know yet what will come of her house or her possessions as her husband, my stepfather, is still at the house but the memories are there. They're there. If we know about life and death and eternal life, we shouldn't get upset, though, at death. 
Sad, yes, but not angry. We don't need to ask why questions. Why did he have to die? Why my dad? Why when he did? He was only 70 years old. He had many good years left, didn't he? Why my mom, only 81? She was looking forward to volunteering at the library and so much to do at her church. But we shouldn't ask those why questions because faith trusts that God knows what's best, right? Our God is a good God, as we just sang. Good, good Father. The Bible reminds us, Psalm 25, 7 to 8, You are good, Lord. The psalmist says, The Lord is good and right. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. God is a good God. We must begin here. Though we don't always understand God's actions, we can trust his heart. God does only what is good. But how can death be good? We might ask. When we realize that the future years will not be good like the past years, then death is good. But that's not always the cause. It's the case, is it? What about the teenager who dies or the infant who dies? How can death then be good? Prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 57, 1 and 2, Good people are taken away, but no one understands. Those who do right are being taken away from evil and are given peace. Those who live as God wants find rest in death. Find rest in death. We don't usually know. It could be an extended disease that they may have suffered. It could be a future addiction. It could be rebellion. Sometimes people are taken away so they don't have to face these evils. I mean, I think about my mom, and she was doing well. The next thing you know, she was in the hospital and she was unconscious. Three days later, she was gone. But basically, she fell asleep, and then that was it. And Tammy and I talked about it, and we said, you know, I think that's kind of how I would like to go. Fall asleep and then just be done. How many times do we have to see people suffer through long-term cancer, and they just waste away slowly and slowly? But even in those cases, I've heard story after story after story that sometimes it's God gives us that much time because people need that time to prepare themselves for the death. Or sometimes they have that much time because the people that are facing death actually touch the lives of those around them. And I've heard story after story of them leading people to Jesus in their sickness. And so you say, why? We don't always understand why, but God is good and knows why. Psalmist says in Psalm 139, 16, All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was a day old. While some people's lives seem so brief to us, compared to eternity, 70 years is short. Even 100 years is short compared to eternity. And if we live with an eternal perspective, we understand that there is so much more to living than just the days that we live here on earth. Right? When you're ready for heaven, you understand that. God has a heaven waiting for us. This is really the place we need to long to live, a place of goodness and love and abundance. In God's plan, every life is long enough and every death is timely. And though you and I might wish for a longer life or a longer life for our loved ones, God knows Have you ever noticed that those who have Christ in their lives, when they realize that their death is imminent, they accept God's decision? 
It is us who are left behind who have trouble accepting it. On top of this, God wants us to face our sorrow. God wants, does not want us to deny it. He does not want us to dismiss it. Sorrow is part of our grief therapy. David faced this when he learned of the death of his good friend, Jonathan. And even when he learned of the death of Jonathan's father, King Saul, who had become an enemy to David, and still there was some sorrow when King Saul died. We're told that David and the entire army tore their clothing and wept aloud. Ecclesiastes 4 tells us that there's a time to mourn, and in this time of mourning, God will lead us through the valley. Not around it, but through it. Through the valley of death. So closing thoughts. When we think of those dark moments, many of them will deal with the death of a loved one, or the death of a relationship, or some great heartache that you experienced. The wonderful news that David gives us in this psalm is that we are not alone in these dark moments. God is with us in them. In fact, God helps to lead us through them. God feels our pain. We're told that Jesus himself wept when he found out that Lazarus had died. Don't ever forget, God is with you. God is there to strengthen you and to comfort you. Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble, in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we are sharing abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. May you let him do this for you, comfort you and strengthen you and lift you up in those dark moments, that valley of the shadow of death. And then you will be at a place where you can share love and comfort with others. Amen.